Seeking mental health care can be overwhelming and even scary, but it doesn't have to be. I'm Dr. Josephine McNary, and I'm committed to making this process easier for you. Each week, my expert guest and I unravel a different form of therapeutic intervention in order to bring comfort and understanding and to help you get back to your true self. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Mind Stories. Today, I'm looking forward to talking with Dr. Daniel Waldman, one of the psychiatrists at Cal Psychiatry. Daniel is a board-certified child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist focusing on developmental issues, ADHD, depression, and anxiety disorders. He has a special interest in helping children and families navigate challenges in schools. Dr. Waldman uses a holistic approach when working with patients. By collaborating with patients and families, he incorporates developmentally informed therapeutic strategies to complement medication management. Today, we talk about his holistic approaches to assessment and treatment of ADHD. Welcome, Daniel Waldman. Hi, super happy to be here. Thanks, Josephine. Yeah, so you're one of the newer members of Cal Psychiatry, and you're an adult and child and adolescent psychiatrist. And today, we're going to be talking about approaches to emotional problems in children with ADHD. Yeah, this is a topic that's near and dear to me, certainly has historically made up a big part of my practice, both with kids, adolescents, and even adults sometimes. So what are the emotional problems that you would most likely see in a child or an adolescent with ADHD? Yeah, so this is something that I think, you know, a lot of people kind of flies below the radar, but really more than half of people with ADHD have associated emotional problems. And those can range from problems with anxiety or mood problems like depression. Probably the most common thing I hear from kids and parents is problems with what I characterize as irritability. And that can sometimes diagnostically fall all over the place. Well, what is irritability and where does that fit in with everything? Mm -hmm. So are you saying that the primary issue is ADHD that then leads to these other problems or are they both the foundation? So are we talking about ADHD causes emotional dysregulation or children with ADHD are more likely to have emotional dysregulation in addition to ADHD? So I think that therein lies the question, and that really depends on the patient and the, the clinical scenario. And I'd add another category to that as well. And that's, are we labeling something as ADHD that in fact was actually an anxiety disorder or a depressive mm -hmm. disorder to start with? So, you know, as part of my diagnostic assessment, I really like to get into that with families. There are certainly cases where families come to me convinced their child has ADHD, they have another child with ADHD or a, a family member with ADHD, and they've gotten calls from teachers suspecting ADHD as a diagnosis. But when we sit down and start talking about like how these symptoms came about, the other stuff going on in the kid's life, we find that maybe this child's inattentive symptoms are related to a core anxiety disorder instead. Mm -hmm. So then we begin with treatment there and put ADHD to the side. Maybe there's ADHD too that's less predominant, or maybe it was mischaracterized from the start. We don't know. I think that this other issue though, of whether or not is this a whole separate disorder, like if a child has true ADHD, they come to me and you know, we all agree based on clinical assessment, maybe there's neuropsychological testing done where the child's been diagnosed with ADHD. Does the child actually have on top of that a major depressive disorder on top of that social anxiety disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, or do they have associated anxiety symptoms 
with their ADHD, that's a little bit harder to tease out and sometimes take some time and different treatment options. So that's when we start thinking about balancing medication and psychotherapy. I think it might be important for the listener to think about, because when I work with patients with ADHD, a lot of my patients are kind of surprised by this idea that the symptoms of ADHD can then lead to anxiety. Uh huh. Can you, we talk a little bit about, about how that might come about? Sure. So I would say this mostly comes about with, you know, we have patients that are highly motivated, really want to succeed professionally, really want to succeed academically. And they're, they're really struggling in those domains. So they're struggling in school, they're struggling at work to get stuff done. And that can lead to a lot of anxiety about completing tasks on time that their ADHD symptoms are interfering with. So if they're having a hard time sitting down and focusing, if they procrastinate, avoid things, if they really struggle with organization, if they struggle with losing things, they're worried about how that's going to affect how they look to their boss. They're worried about getting things done in a timely manner. If they have specific deadlines to meet, that can kind of exacerbate those ADHD symptoms too, because even though that procrastination and avoidance might be a core feature of ADHD, it's also a core feature of anxiety, that avoidance piece. So then you're putting things off because of both of those things cognitively, and it kind of snowballs. And it's both that ADHD and anxiety piece that are contributing to that. Right, right. Which then leads to low self-esteem. Yeah. And I think that probably that self-esteem piece is often, if I kind of do a trajectory for mood symptoms and depression as it relates to ADHD, that self-esteem piece often comes up and has played a big role um, Mm -hmm. because we know that ADHD can lead to lower senses of self-worth when kids are younger, they tend to get in trouble a lot. And when you have ADHD, you might not even realize what you're doing that's leading to you getting in trouble. You get calls from teachers to parents, and it feels like no matter what you do, no matter how hard you're trying, you can't get anything right. And that time and time again, day in and day out, can certainly, I think, lead to and precipitate slowly depressive symptoms, which may lead into a full-blown major depressive episode. You know, for a lot of kids, that's it's not the case. This isn't necessarily that like every kid with ADHD goes on to develop depression. But for some kids that are predisposed to this, that can certainly be the case. And I've seen that a lot. You also mentioned irritability in ADHD. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about that, but I also want to make sure with irritability, we talk about the effects that medication might have on irritability. Sure. Medication, especially medications that we use for ADHD, our first-line medicine, which has been shown to be really effective, are the psychostimulant medications. So our kind of amphetamine salts and our methylphenidate. But on the flip side of that, we also know that those medicines have a side effect sometimes of leading to irritability. And when I say irritability, I'm talking about when you're in a situation and you go from zero to 100, you're really quick to get angry about something. In kids, this sometimes manifests as like extreme temper tantrums. And for certain kids, and this is really a you know a personal response to medicine, but when you take these medicines, especially if you're taking it at the wrong dose or the wrong time of day, those medicines can key people up and lead to heightened irritability. My experience, if you're able to dose those medicines well, though, you can manage the irritability. So it's kind of walking a fine line. Right. So it's this border of 
treating it right to the point where it actually resolves the symptoms versus exacerbating the symptom even more. Exactly. And it's, there's also the like coming off of the medicine. So as the medicine wears off in your system, that can lead to periods of irritability. So figuring out how to slowly come down off of this medicine, and that might require kind of like a small dose later on in the day. Right. Yeah. As we're talking, it just makes me realize that ADHD is very complex. Mm -hmm. Like it affects a broad range of people. It's a neurodevelopmental disorder. By definition, we need to see symptoms like when you're in in school age, even though some people don't present to us until later in life or adulthood, and those symptoms really start to kick in. But I think like other neurodevelopmental disorders, it has a really heterogeneous presentation. So it affects people in so many different ways and so many different domains that it's really important to kind of get to know the individual to see how to target these different symptoms and how it's affecting their day-to-day lives. Right. And the symptoms have so much overlap disorders mm-hmm. that, I mean, it actually brings me to want to ask the question, what should someone expect from a good, thorough ADHD evaluation? That's a great question. That very much depends on kind of the presenting symptoms, what other treatment they've received in the past and the phase of their life they're in. ADHD is a clinical diagnosis. So sometimes it can be really, really helpful to have neuropsychological testing as part of that assessment. But to make the diagnosis, it isn't always 100% necessary. What is necessary, though, is these symptoms need to manifest in multiple areas of life. So when I'm assessing children, for example, I will want to get collateral information from teachers, collateral information from parents, because then I can see how these symptoms may or may not be affecting their function in school or at home. For adult assessment, that's a little trickier. I don't necessarily want to, you know, there's a lot of value to confidentiality in our practice. And I don't think it's necessary to get direct reports from people at work, but I do want to kind of get a handle on in what way is this impacting their function, both at home and at work, often social relationships, romantic relationships, girlfriends, boyfriends, partners, ADHD symptoms can really impact those as well. So sometimes collateral from people can be helpful. Mm -hmm. One of the, this is true of other psychiatric disorders as well, but one of the things I've learned about ADHD is that even very self-aware people may not be fully cognizant of their ADHD symptoms and the ways in which those symptoms are affecting their lives. So thinking about how their relationships are being affected, thinking about how they might be different if they were able to manage certain aspects of these symptoms, even in a hypothetical scenario without speaking to collateral sources can be really helpful. Yeah, I agree. And I also think a thorough evaluation takes into consideration anxiety, depression, Mm -hmm. right? And not just focus on the symptoms of ADHD, but really broaden the questioning in terms of really determining what other disorders might be present or what other symptoms might be present as well. Yeah, I think that absolutely it's not a rule out diagnosis. I don't like need to know you don't have this to say you have ADHD, but I, I can't really assess for ADHD unless I'm assessing for depression and anxiety other mood problems, other things that could be causing inattention, other things that could be causing irritability, because those symptoms and how we see them can be really vague. So inattention, while it's part of 
ADHD for sure, you know, is really a part of many, many psychiatric disorders. So I need to kind of think about these as kind of patterns of symptoms, both in terms of mood disorders and anxiety disorders. Right. Well, before we end, anything else that you think is important to mention? There's so many important things about ADHD, but I think that getting treatment for ADHD often involves a combination of of medication and therapy and can be really life-changing for many people. I, I see that so much in my practice where people have been living with these symptoms for a long time. And once they engage with psychotherapy and pharmacotherapy, it can really kind of open up a new world of possibilities for them. Right. And not just for attention and focus, but also kind of emotional regulation and interpersonally, it could also enhance their lives interpersonally. Yeah. Part of it is, I think people often come with, oh, this is affecting me at work. This is affecting me at school. But the outcome of treatment is like, oh, wow, this has completely changed my ability to form meaningful relationships. This has completely changed my ability to function at home, you know, completely new way. Well, thanks for being on. I appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. This has been Mind Stories with me, Josephine McNary of Cal Psychiatry. With online psychiatry in California and 13 offices throughout Southern California and the Bay Area, Cal Psychiatry specializes in medication management, ADHD, anxiety disorders, alternative therapies, women's mental health, and more. Visit us at calpsychiatry.com and let us help you get back to your true self. Thanks for listening to Mind Stories, and don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe.